Diana, how are you? Good afternoon, Brett. I'm doing well. It's a little toasty here. Um, I don't know about you. Here as well, but I'm loving it. I think it's about 96 today, real food, oh, about wow. 105. So yeah, we finally hit summer here in Chicago, but wow. beats the hell out of, you know, 38 and rain. So yeah. I'm not complaining. Every winter I say, I'm not going to complain. It's too hot when summer rolls around. So I'm trying to be very careful of that because I hate Especially winters, in Buffalo, like, man. You know what you're getting in both of those places. So I was we, born we, here. We I had no choice. Yeah. I know we kind of talked about our, our new feature, which we've kind of been pretty good about the first two episodes, wins and losses. So any wins or losses that you want to so, talk about this week? That was a good segue. I thought you were going to tell me that my loss was that I'm still here and I'm in <laughs> Buffalo, which is fair. Totally fair. It goes I, without I, saying. If just anyone's kidding. listening who's from here, I'm from here too. I'm sorry. I'm just not meant for the cold. But no, actually, I do have a win and it's um, it's a process win in just that you know, you know, and I'm not sure how much I've mentioned this to listeners that I have been working the past two months and a really weird schedule because of my daughter who is disabled. She's home with me and I've had to work around that as my husband returns to a nine to five. And, and so I have to really maximize the time that I have at my desk. And I've been able to super be super focused and refined, refining my processes and and my vision for the business. And that's just really powerful. And it's something that often takes time. Sometimes the luxury of time can be a, a bit of a crux because, you know, you, what, what is, is that Pareto principle? What, what principle is that? Where like Pareto, you automatically, yeah, 80, yeah, 20. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. But like you expand the time necessary to do something based on how much time you have. And so yes. by like lasering in on that, it's, it's just given me such tremendous focus and, and, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so glad to be here with you, Brett, is that to like we have been at this for a long time. And so we can hopefully share some wisdom and mistakes and 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 things to help accelerate that path for other people too. Yeah, and, and it's the life. world we live in, right? We've all got different situations and not I want to say barriers, but friction in what we're trying to do and family. And guess what? Life gets in the way. And so, you know, we keep going back and I loved what Katie had said and we talked a little bit at last week, designing your life around your business and how do we figure out how to do that? Because I know, you know, your daughter is very important to you as you know our kids are. But I mean, it's some obstacles that we, we need to get around. And so, I mean, that's the reality of it. If it was just, hey, I've got 100 hours to work every week. Well, you're in a unique position. You're probably not in the audience for who we're talking to. It's funny. Your win was actually kind of my loss the last few weeks. Oh, no. Because... Not in a bad sense, but, you know, I was really good for probably about six, eight months where I wasn't scheduling any meetings between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m., right? That was time to get work done, everything. And then I started getting lax. Well, I'm still getting stuff done and I'll start taking some meetings in the morning. And man, it's it's messed with my efficiency of, of what I'm doing. And so starting again next week, I'm going to back to blocking that off, right? 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. is just nothing but for work and prioritization. I got a little bit away from, you know, how do I prioritize? If you're prioritizing three things. It's not a priority. priority. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. So now I'm back to like, all right, what is the one big thing that I'm working on and some of the subtasks and I'm going to focus on that. I had gotten away from everything that I've been talking about and that had been working for me. But the good thing is I caught it early, right? It was slowly slipping, but now I'm going to get it back. So 
I guess it's a loss, but I'm going to try to turn it back into win and say, hey, here's what was working. Here's how I'm driving all this stuff, and we'll put that process back in place. No, that's a good lesson. Although it feels a little bit Michael Scott um, interviewing with David Wallace and is like, actually, I'll tell you my three biggest weaknesses. I work too hard. I care too much. Or, you know, <laughs> I'm just messing. No, no, it, it's true. But I like it, it's funny. It's is it work if you enjoy what you're doing is like, I have no problem. The other thing that I kind of have adopted and people think is is weird is I have taken kind of a seven day schedule, right? So I try to get into get the same sleep, get up at the same time, seven days a week versus treating the weekend differently. And that's actually made a huge difference. And if you would have asked, you know, my younger self, does that make sense? Absolutely not. The weekend was, you know, stay up late. We'll sleep in a little bit. But once I had kids, that kind of went away. But now I'm kind of seven days a week getting up at the same time. Drives my wife nuts a little bit, but. Do you, did you have any sort of like manifesto that inspired you to be a morning person like, um, Hale Elrod, um, Miracle morning, miracle morning. Uh, like that That's helped me become a morning person, even though I don't actually adhere to that very strongly anymore. If you're looking to like transition, I think it's a great read though. I think from a transition standpoint, it took a while to get there, but now I really look forward to the mornings because it's quiet. That's when I get all mm-hmm. this stuff done. It's literally my own, my own time. Nobody's hitting and... on Slack. You don't have to worry about more emails coming in. I know. Yeah. No. So, so I think maybe it started that way to get me starting to think about mornings that way. But now I'm like, man, let me, let's go. I'm completely okay with this, especially now that the sun's up at 5 a.m. It makes me right. feel bad. Well, it's good to get that white space because that's where the ideas come from, right? Yeah. And that's actually, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Um, because I, I do a lot of walking. I walk like five to seven miles a day. It's my thing. It's very, it's meditative for me. It's exercise. I do a lot of power walking and intervals and stuff, but I listen to a lot of podcasts too, actually. But the white space is where even when I'm trying not to work, stuff comes to me, right? Same thing. I'm a big walker now too. Mm. I try to get out, clear the head. And I was, I'm still a big podcast. I'll still listen to podcasts on the walks, but I started mixing in music again. Ooh. It's kind of changed, I think. So now I'm starting to mix it up and I'm just giving tips for people who are looking to become a little more productive. Yeah. But the music seems to help me think better. Because if you listen to a podcast, you know, I'll stop and type my notes when I hear something. Mm. But I'm thinking about listening versus the music just gives me a chance to think about everything else. So now I've started to mix it up and say, one day it's podcasts, one day it's music. Do you have like channels or playlists? Or like I use Apple Music because I have unlimited. I do the whole unlimited, like I have the Fitness Plus and Spotify Apple. changed Spotify. my life with the playlist because now they've got live music mixed in with mm-hmm. it. And so they'll give you either, you know, radio. So if you like the Goo Goo dolls, they can build a station off that or you could You know, they're from Buffalo. Playlists. Are they really? Yeah. Huge fan. I mean I'm not <laughs> No. <laughs> they're fine it's just that you know it's funny when we did you know spotify will send out the year in review of yeah. how many songs you listen to i think i listened to like I i'm making up like 1500 artists over the past year so wow. i'm not one genre specific i like to listen to a lot of different music so me too it helps i don't know when i can most of my music yeah. I, I kid you not i'm sorry you guys are just going off here but my apple music top played from last year because we have speakers all around the house and the phone were elmo <laughs> um, Mickey and Minnie and Dora the Explorer. Like, I kid you not. It was like my top 100 was all, all of it, all of it. Yeah, I would I love to it. listen to music again. Maybe I should start listening to music again in my, my walks. Sorry. Yeah, it's, I think it'll help It's a good tip, you. Brett. So no, um, the white space on one of my walks is kind of where I 
started working on some of my stuff because it just came to me. And, um, and I touched upon how I'm looking to make at least part of my business product-based and how I'm also trying to work on uh, multiple streams of income, particularly as we're in a moment of economic uncertainty and likely heading into you know some kind of downturn. That's really important to me. It's something that I haven't done well in the past. And I thought that, and then you mentioned that you're working on a course that maybe we could kind of poke and prod that notion a bit yeah. and see, you know, because there are so many different things to consider. Do you have to be at a certain point in, in your business or in your career? Do you need a certain kind of experience? Are there tools, things like that? So I thought maybe we could kind of dig around, talk about that a little bit. I think one of the keys for, you know, freelance entrepreneurs is how do we productize or servitize, servitize our, our businesses where, it's the onus isn't on us to always prod the customer for for what's next right so if we're always pricing for uh a job or even a retainer retainer maybe is getting away from it but if it's always like sow based or project based and we're waiting on the customer that can go from three weeks to six weeks and it kind of caps what we're doing and one of the models that i'm really really high on right now is that it's not a retainer and I don't know, there's probably a better word for it where it's like unlimited, whatever you want in a month. So no matter what your service, whatever your skill is, in your case, it's content, right? That said, Hey, for 3000, 5,000, $10,000 a month, you get unlimited blog posts, white papers, but the key is, you know, one at a time, right? So we got to deliver on that, but puts the onus back on the customer to approve it. Say, yep, this is good. All right, we're on to our next one. I love that model because I think it's fair to both and we get rewarded for our true skills and what we like to do versus doing a lot of the work that we don't. And so I know it completely took us off on a tangent. No, there, but, but it removes the burden too. that, that, I mean, every, especially like the prototypical freelancers and I'm making air quotes here, like those, the designers, the programmers, the writers, you, we all know, like whether you, you openly admit it or not, that you're rushing to get as much done as as quickly as possible, like good enough, so that you can get as much in to boost your hourly rate. Especially if you're getting crappy pay from like an agency or something like that. Yeah. And so this <laughs> hypothetically, kind of, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, <laughs> this removes that pressure in a way because you can like truly focus and with just a few clients you have a steady stream of, of income but you can really put energy into doing your best work because i know for a fact i know i'm not alone in this because i have plenty of, of freelancers in my network that you know we all it's hard to resist that temptation to stack and, and get things done as quickly as possible you know, so anyway, it removes that burden and allows you to perfect, you know, do the best in your craft. That's why you do it. And we talked about this last week. But I think it's important to think about as freelance, because you said we took, this could be coaching, this could be design, it could be yep. content. I think there's even some strategy and some other things. If you focus oh, yeah. on what is that one big thing that we're working on, we'll continue to work on it. And then once we move on, then you start again. And podcast production there's like literally yeah. i feel like any freelance entrepreneur that it nearly any that this could apply absolutely 
And so I think we just, it goes back to where, what I've been guilty of not doing is not thinking bigger, right? I always think incrementally and that's just kind of the way it was taught, but to think bigger and differently and says, why can't we do something a little bit different, right? Why, if this makes sense, everything should be as a service. I think we've mentioned, or it wasn't you and I, somewhere we talked about like, you know, an Apple watch versus whoop, which one, you have to pay for the watch and then you get the service. The other one, you just pay a monthly fee for and the watch is included. And I think it's a better business, a better model for both the customer and the business with the the, the monthly subscription and say, hey, here's what we're going to deliver. And then it's more of a partnership than it is a give and take, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no. And see, so you keep opening me up to these office references but because I, when you said that, I'm like, <laughs> woof. W-U-P-H dot com, which really was ahead of its time. But no, I agree. I completely agree. Um, And I think, and actually it's funny because we talked, I think we talked at the time too about how even Apple's going into that direction. We just talked about it with like Apple Music and bundling that together. And that's an easy 30 bucks a month that I spend for like two terabytes of storage, Apple Fitness Plus. I don't use news, but, um, and music, family plan, family plan too. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a great deal. And so that locks me and not only provides them with a really reliable, oh, and Apple TV plus with reliable revenue streams, but then it also locks people into the, the infrastructure, the, the Apple universe to continue to buy their devices. So like, it's a win-win for them. Yeah. Well, that's why I think it's going to be super interesting. Like, you know, Spotify, as we talked about, I mean, it's like nine ninety five a month and it's unlimited. I can do as many songs. I can download as much as I want, like podcasts, whatever it is. And again, I just think if we think about this from our businesses across the board, there's better models, right? I mean, but we're so stuck in the cost per job and, you know, it's better for customers in the sense of, yeah, I'm going to pay you forty nine dollars to write this 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 blog post. Yep. And, oh God, that's way too cheap. But yeah. But no, but it's out there, right? But it's so how does anybody make money? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a definition of a freelancer. I think that's the problem, yeah. and I think that's why we talk about freelance entrepreneurs because just because you work for yourself doesn't mean you have to adhere to some standard. And I don't think that clients are necessarily deliberately sticking with it, but they don't know what they don't know. And so when you can flip something on its head and it's better for your business and as we've been speaking to, better for your clients and your customers, well, then that's a win for everyone. Why not? Like flip it on its head because that also gives you something to sell on and be different because it is a sea of same. You're really selling yourself. A lot of freelance entrepreneurs, you're selling yourself more than a service or excuse me, more than like a a resume, you know, it's, it can yeah. be very hard to differentiate. So flip it on time. Why not? What have you got to lose? Like genuinely. Nothing. You know? Yeah. It's more of a portfolio than a resume, right? We're moving yeah. into that, that type of thing. Even like you said, with your experience, you're like, I'm not, I proved myself. I don't need to, to do that anymore. And I, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast called no stupid questions. It's kind of a spinoff of Freakonomics. Really cool. They just cover really different and random topics, but I'm fascinated by it. And they talked about uh, one of their examples was Angela Duckworth. I think she wrote Grit and some other things. She's one of the co-hosts, teaches at Columbia or one of those colleges. And she really wanted to test a pass-fail approach for the students. And she loved the idea. But what she found was because the ecosystem in general doesn't support pass-fail, 
what was happening within her class, all the students weren't doing the work because they knew they didn't have to because they had to put all the work into those other classes. And I think where the, the lesson was, if we're going to flip kind of business models, it may take a little time because customers are so conditioned to this is the way I pay for X, Y, and Z. And now you want to change that. So I think part of it is, one, we need a broader movement to get people to think about things differently. But then I think you also have to be patient as you you change the model or try to change the model. Yeah, that's actually, that's a great story to tell for that too. I took one class pass-fail and un, as an undergrad, I didn't really know it was a thing and it was art history and I got a B plus without taking the final exam or doing the last like regular exam. So like that was so easy, you know, anyway. Well, got, and it didn't matter if you got a B plus yeah. anyway because you only got the, the pass. So, yeah. so I think we're just in a really interesting time now where I think we can start to play with these things. And if, look, if you have to keep your business going by selling job by job, then absolutely do it. But I think right. what we're saying is think bigger and how would you do this differently? And if you could start to sell new clients on a different model, that's a kind of win-win for both folks, then... You know, it, it probably makes sense, especially if you have the talent, like, you know, part of what we talked about, right? We've got, you know, 30 and 20 plus years of experience versus some of these folks that are charging premium for three years of experience. So don't undersell or undervalue what you're doing because you do have the experience. I think that's another big thing is we really undervalue, you know, what we can deliver versus some of the other folks because they just yes. don't know any better and they just go out and do it. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's really true. And and but you also touched upon something too, like understanding, really understanding your worth and your positioning in the marketplace can can help you tremendously here because um I do think that there is this tendency right now in freelancers to kind of puff their chests out and overstate their ability to deliver. I, I think it's important to be realistic here. There is I'll give a, a little story. And this person wasn't a freelancer, but it was, I was doing a project for a company and uh, a marketer who didn't have previous experience in marketing, but was hired and taught how to be a marketer in this role, wanted to create a B2B guide to TikTok. And I offered to take a look at it. I've worked at B2B for 20 years. I've done a lot of work here. And it was a lot of these things because I say so. And I'm like, I kept writing, well, so what? Why? What's the example? Who cares? You know, and and I'm not a I'm not a bitch. I, I mean I can be. <laughs> no. But like I'm a vicious editor. Vicious. Like like legitimately in high school, my twin brother would ask me to look at his paper and I would be like, what is this? And I like I was vicious with the pen. But it I mean, if you want to get better, you want to get better. And and yeah. it wasn't it was because I knew I was as a B2B buyer, as the person who would be reading this, uh, you know, when I was a marketing VP, I would have read this and thought, this is shit. Like, this doesn't offer me any value just because right. you say so. Like, no, that's not going to work. That's not any ultimate guide. It's barely a guide. And that, and I, and I, when I sent it, I'm like, you know, hey, you know, just, you know, I'm like mighty with the pen, although by pen, I mean Google Docs and typing. I'm like, but just, you know, this is just coming from my perspective as a marketing VP and buyer and all that. And uh, she didn't change any of it. <laughs> so I like, just be open to changing and, and, and be, be open to criticism and taking an objective look because the better that you can position yourself, the more likely you are to get clients and, and especially client retention. Because if you, if you puff yourself out to get a type of client who you're not going to be able to deliver to their expectations, that's only going to hurt your ability to earn referrals and to retain those clients. So 
And yeah, we talked about before we even started this. I'm like, look, you're not going to hurt my feelings, right? If you think we should be doing something different or talking about different things and, you know, fire away. And that's the only way you get better, right? I mean, you still have to have complete confidence in yourself that you're the only person you need to answer to. But there are people that can help and give good guidance because you're not going to know everything about everything. No. You know, we all like to think sometimes we yeah. do, but... You know, it, I know it's a balance, right? Because you can't always listen to other folks, but be open-minded. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing of what you're saying is listen, process it. And if it makes sense, incorporate it. Maybe not, don't incorporate all of it, but, right. you know, you're coming at it from the right, you know, helping side, right? To provide that feedback. So no that, one knows your you know, business like you, but getting that outside voice, even if you don't take the advice, if it helps you think differently, something really beautiful can come from that. Yeah. You know, there's no greater teacher than experience, right? But I think yeah. there's there's certain things that you don't have to fail at in order to learn, right? So I think there's that balance of you don't have to make the mistake that a hundred other people made. Just just don't listen. But there's part of things you are going to have to learn for yourself. So it's it's finding that balance. And as you were talking earlier, I was thinking about that. Hey, we got, we all get clients. You kind of get to that point of now what? right? What's next, right? Who do I need to bring a salesperson in? And we've talked a little bit about this. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, and as far as looking, uh, if you're ready to, or you feel like you're ready to bring in somebody for sales, just put that you're a business owner on LinkedIn and you will get plenty of connection requests and immediate responses from people who are appointment setters and salespeople. Oh my God. Yeah. That is the big new thing. And oh man, I don't have time for that right now. I don't, I feel bad. Usually I'm like, Miss, as you all know, I'm very much Pollyanna and I respond to everyone. I'm not no, interested, not. but, but. <laughs> But I can't anymore, and I'm getting their whole sequences. I will tell you when I do respond, though. I'm sorry, this is slight going off. But like lately, I've been getting connection requests with not the connection request automation because they're all using yeah. these automated tools, but with their follow up after I accept. And I'm like, the other day, I'm like, dude, just so you know, you sent me the wrong message with your invitation to connect. <laughs> you sent me the one that was supposed to come after I accepted. I did accept, but I'm not interested. Happy to connect though. Like, and that's the, I, I did not respond to the other ones. I just don't have time, but there were like two or three of them this week alone that clearly the wrong message in their sequence came out. And like, first of all, don't use those gang. Don't use no, 100%. those. 100%. That is total garbage. It's a waste of your money and everybody can smell it a mile away. Send a real personalized request, please, 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 please. And mm. <laughs> look at their LinkedIn profile because literally it's one or two a day I'm getting right now from appointment. Do you want five to 10 more qualified yeah. leads a week? I'm like, Frick. <laughs> I can't believe, and part of me is like, man, do you know how competitive your business is because of how many I get? Per week, but to your point, they don't do the homework. And the other one that, again, as long as we're going down this rabbit hole, the the one that don't that's do it. So there's the, value here. Don't there is, but the number of people I get to asking me if I need developmental development resources yeah. or like web dev and those types, I'm like, have you looked at my profile? At what point do any of my businesses or my profile say, "Yep, I need a lot of those resources"? None. So I'm like, where again? Take the time because one. You know, it's funny. We can well, let's talk about the sales. We want to in a future episode yeah. talk about you know new customer acquisition. But you know, I still see and I still go down the rabbit hole of you know cold email, cold calling, and if it works, if it doesn't work, and the people that say it works says 
it's a numbers game. You just have to blast, blast, blast. And eventually you find somebody that does. My whole point to that one as a recipient, I'm never, ever, ever going to take a cold call from you ever. I don't care if you've got, you're promising me gold and you've got something Hmm. I've never seen before. Ain't going to happen. And maybe I'm one off on that, but you know, all the other cold callers that say, yeah, I can get to my quota, but you, you may be able to get your quota, but you pissed off 50 other companies that will never do business with you because of your approach. And so I think it's not at the rep level that I blame this. It's the company level that they're employing this, that it's so short-sighted. You may find that needle in the haystack, the right place, right time, right message and say, Hey, we'll do business. Perfect for the rep. They hit their thing. They can go on LinkedIn say, yep, cold calling works. But do you know how much damage you're doing to your brand by doing that as a company? I don't think people realize that. I'll tell you a story. I was working with an agency and um, I I was the doing the content, but like they brought me in because I'm I was I come in for strategy and I help sell to potential clients because of my background and. The the guy said that their sales was in the office in India and that they were very much operating like a telemarketing sales office. However, so they were churn and burn. Like I, I was looking at their stuff and I'm like, this is garbage. I'm very much the same when I'm meeting with clients. I'm and I I you know preface by saying, you know, I'm gonna be very candid and direct because I'm trying to help your business. And I'm like, this is garbage. What are you doing? And he was in an industry that had a finite number of leads. And I'm like, you cannot afford to continue burning through these leads. I'm like, you're giving a shit experience. And it's no wonder that the the you know C-suite is is unhappy. Like this, this is not sustainable for you. And this role is not going to be long-term for you because you're being set up to fail. And he ended up not signing on with, with them, not because of me, but because he couldn't justify to the C-suite spending the money because all they were looking at was that short-term churn and burn. I'm just like, oh my, could you imagine in a, in a, in an industry where you have a finite, like this is it. Oh my God. Like that's such a horrible mistake. Anyway. I mean, maybe they were trying to flip the company. I, I don't know, but it was terrible. But, um, I could tell you that, you know, for anyone who's listening, who's maybe early in their freelance entrepreneurial journey or needs to rev up quickly, like maybe you have a personal emergency or something and you need more clients. Agency work is a nice place to start, even though I totally like dogged on them earlier because they do pay less than direct clients. And when I first started my business back in 2011, my method was I was a writer and a project manager. Actually, I was a writer, a project manager, and a copy editor working in an agency making 40 grand a year. So it's no wonder why I went off on my own. Like I was doing three full-time jobs and getting paid crap for it. I'm like, no way, I can make more money myself and, and charge clients less. Like I'm making 40 grand, but they're charging clients 150 bucks an hour. So um, I knew that agencies needed writers and I knew that it was good. So I went to websites. I literally just picked cities and then we used Google. And now it's a lot easier. You can go to like HubSpot and go to their partner agencies or whatever. And I just started reaching out to agency owners and I sent cold emails. I found their email addresses and then eventually went to LinkedIn. But And I introduced myself. I was very honest. And I'm like, look, my name is Diana. Uh, my maiden name at the time, I was writing, uh, you know, I was a writer here and now I'm on my own. And then what I would do, and this is my little hook for you guys. This is what I, is I would find something on their website that was either misspelled, a broken link, something that didn't work. I know this sounds so yeah. stupid, but I needed no, to stand but- out. Right. And I'm like, Hey, just, you know, on your contact us page, your form doesn't work or this link is broken. And my response rate was like 80% even if people didn't work out. But like within six months, I had replaced my corporate income. Within a year, I had doubled it. 
And it was almost solely on agencies to start. And it was very easy to do. And I was charging like nothing. I was charging like 40 bucks an hour at the time or something ridiculous. And then again, after my daughter was born and I had to rebuild my business, I left corporate. I had a better pedigree at the time. It was a little bit easier, but I connected on LinkedIn and I'm like, you know, I know that you need writers. I'm not going to be cute. And I, I needed to build up quickly because I had a newborn at home. My husband came home to be a stay-at-home dad. And I'm like, here's the deal. Here's some of the stuff I've been working on. I'm certified, I'm HubSpot certified in this, this, and this. One of my clients recently said, Diana is effing amazing, in quotes, which was true. If you want to work with me, let's talk. And within like six weeks, I was fine. And so, you know, understand your customers. If there is low hanging fruit and you're in a position where you need money now, take it. And and for designers, for developers and for writers in particular, that's going to be agency. So don't, don't be afraid of that, particularly too, as things are kind of like, again, I, I know I keep touching upon this. I'm not trying to be a fear monger, but like, as there's a lot of uncertainty, agencies are going to start looking to leverage more freelancers than full-timers. Sure. You know, the, any way that you can kind of like get your foot in the door and position yourself there, they expect it. You know, you're always going to get a, a jerk once in a while, but 99% sure. of them, they're o- at least open to it. And yeah, I, I got a lot of, of good relationships and good connections that way. Yeah, I think it's so great cold. Advice. It's a cold call, but it's kind of warm, right? Because I'm, it I'm is. a genuine in me and nothing was temp. Well, that's not necessarily true. I did start with a template, but I always customized it. Always, always, always always. But I had a base that I went from. And you were adding value because you picked out something, right? It was a typo or something that was incorrect or a link wasn't working. That's adding value. Whether they work with you or not, they got value from that interaction with you, which is, and I think, which is a perfect segue because I think the next episode we will get into, you know, acquisition, customer acquisition as a freelancer versus a freelance entrepreneur and how that changes and how we focus. Because I think there are ways we can obviously, kind of like the sales rep thing, right? You can, not spam, sorry. (laughs) You can cold call and blanket a lot of people and you're going to find a few folks at right place, right time. But you're just killing the the brand long-term where again, as you're just starting up and you need some business, hit a ton of people, you're going to get a few people. Like the people setting appointments, they probably find one or two a day out of all those they do, and it keeps them satisfied. But I think what we should talk about next week is as we make that transition to beyond just keeping ourselves busy and mm-hmm. fed yep. and paying our bills, what does that that look like? Because I think it does look different, and you have to, you know, lay the groundwork, you know, plant the seeds, whatever you want to call it, in order to grow that long term. And it's a longer tail game. It's not probably not for everybody, but I think. That would actually be a really good topic to talk about, you know, how do we pay the bills today, but then also look to build a sustainable and thriving business going forward. Yeah, no, I love this because I mean, the reality is you're still a freelance. There's nothing wrong with doing, as Brett said earlier, with doing the one-off stuff and living on the SOW or working for agencies. And you're still an entrepreneur, even though it used to be the sexy thing to say, like, you're not a business unless you do this. No, you're you're yeah, still yeah, a freelance yeah. entrepreneur. However, for those who are looking to get to that different place, yeah, we'll lay it out for you. I love it. It gets yeah, me so excited. Awesome. I know. I can't believe the time's flown by already, but... Enjoy our conversation. So yeah, I think we've teed this up for next week. And yeah, tune in next week for and we'll go deeper into kind of that next phase of customer acquisition and how you set your business up for post, I don't know, what do we want to call it? Post 
freelance work, right? Where you're paying the bills and starting to expand beyond that. Yeah. I don't know how we how yeah. we position it, but we'll come up with something. Yeah, post ten ninety nine. I don't know. That's more go. of a contractor <laughs> thing. I don't know. Same bad time, same bad channel. Yeah. Do you, do you guys know that reference? I know you you know that reference. I know right, that but... one. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I've we'll I've said that time. to Cricket sometimes on client calls, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm old. You're like, come on, people. I, I'm going to close this out actually really quickly yeah, with another please. anecdote because I'm so full of them. I was working, I was just out of grad school and I was doing PR marketing for a Catholic school. And the kids used to come in our office all the time because I was doing marketing PR and, con and content basically. And it was this big shared office with the whole like fundraising team. And so the kids would come in because there was like a, like if they were doing selling candy bars or whatever. And one time we had a radio on and Bon Jovi was on. Now this is 2008. Okay. Yeah. They were still making new music. Yes. And some kid comes in and says, oh my gosh, I love oldies. <laughs> and myself and my colleagues slammed it down and said, excuse me? Anyway. You, know, you know, what's even worse now is I think the killers are considered oldies. <laughs> really? Oh, man. I like, think they're like early 2000s when they came around. I mean, I love their music, but yeah, it's... It's I mean, crazy. Friends is considered a, a classic TV show. Yeah. What the hell Reruns, is that? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. And you're much younger you. than I am. So I'm 41. I... I have no problem sharing that gang. Awesome. Always good, Diana. Appreciate it. We'll yes, see everybody sir. next week. Right, take care, everybody. Bye.